Hello. Thank you to Anchor for letting all of us use this for free. Thank you because even though I even though I don't know specific podcasts that are on here, I know that they they all need all need to make sure they can afford this like I do. Thank you for making it free because it makes it easier to record. Bye. Hello, welcome to this um, edition of Daniel Vaillant's Views of Wrestling, TV shows, sports, and movies. Okay, last time I did an episode, I spoke about Monday Night Raw, and I spoke about the Looney Tunes. Well, I want to continue my discussion of... Raw vs. Nitro. October 30th was the night after Halloween Havoc. I know I have it here somewhere. On, uh... On the internet.
Yeah. Now I have the the ratings here somewhere on Wikipedia. Now I got it. All the way at the bottom. October 30th, 1995. Nitro won by a .2 rating. 2.3. And we talk about it. We talk about the two shows like I usually do. And thank you to people who listen. Not only is it fun... But it's, it's encouraging at the same time. Now, if anybody out there is thinking, don't you want to be a little different from time to time? Well, I will be different. I'm just trying to think. What would be the best way to be different? So... As I'm looking for Nitro's episode, because even though I just saw it, I gotta make, I gotta look at it. Gotta start from the night after. I'm gonna be talking about two, two Nitro episodes in this episode. In this episode. So start with the night after Halloween happened. I don't know why, but even though both Nitro and Raw acknowledge it as Halloween, um, I don't know why, but unlike Raw, who had people dress up to celebrate it, Nitro didn't do that. And I was kind of curious as to why. But what was really interesting, uh, to anybody who's watched Halloween Havoc, or watched it for the first time, that is, and heard about it on either 83 Weeks or, um, I think 83 Weeks is, um, the only podcast out there when you talk about WCW. I don't, I think Tony Schiavone, I don't think Tony Schiavone spoke about it yet. So recently, 80, they did it in 83 Weeks, edition back in October of last year. So I should have said last year instead of recently. Sorry about that. So every, anybody that's watched it knows that um, Sting turned Sting went against as I just shared this the other night. Don't, anybody that's heard my recent episode knows about the outcome of the matches on Nitro. So, what was really going to be interesting was how the show was going to start off. Like, how were they going to address the end of Halloween Havoc? And I was really, you know, and I've seen this for so long that I actually, um, Forgot, I actually forgot about this, what happened in this episode. Both of the episodes I saw tonight. Let's see. Like, they did not talk about what happened specifically. They didn't show what happened, but they did say it was a big shock. said it was a big shock in the main event. They said they would bring it as soon as footage was available. He said that picture or video is going to speak values. 
And they go to the main, to the first match with Sergeant Craig Pittman against Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero, I think, came off the, that old rope with, uh, with a roll-up, and at first he's using his, his hand as leverage against the mat. Then he took both legs with his, both of his arms to get the pinfall victory. By the way, the finisher that um, Sergeant Craig, not the finisher that um, Jack Swagger used in used to use was a, of course, uh, Gut Rich Powerbomb. That finisher was uh, originated by Terry Taylor. Well, Sergeant Craig Pittman did a version of it on Eddie Guerrero, and I was really impressed by that because. Up to that point, the most I saw Sergeant Craig Pittman do was the Code Red. It's almost like a cross arm breaker. It's not really a cross arm breaker, but that's what they call it today. It's more like an arm bar. The first match is Goldust beating Sadio Vega. I think this might have been his first, yeah. This was definitely Goldust's first ever match on Raw. Um, and they had a uh, first segment of the night was Michael Hayes as Doc Hendricks. He dressed himself in orange paint and black paint. By the way, staying with somebody helps a lot, so I I don't want to sound ridiculous, but it almost sounds like you drew inspiration from Sting right here <laughs> in how to dress up. Because outside of face paint, he was dressed in regular coat, blue shirt, so he had a regular suit on. Let's see... Putting to the um, just capturing what he had to say. Yeah, he was talking about the main event at Survivor Series, and the advertisement was Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters, and I didn't realize it before, but they had a a blue couch right there. They used to have, naturally, uh, a certain segment in those days where people would just plug or promote um, WWF merchandise. Like you had two, uh, like you had two superstar, um, it's been so long, I don't even know what they used to call them before they made bad ads. Oh, I know it's made out of cardboard, and it's in the likeness of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Then, right in front of it is a blue couch that Michael, that uh, Hendrix is sitting in. So, oh, I didn't even know this. Diesel and Bret. Diesel went against Bret Hart twice, and um, before this. And both times, outside it was caused by outside interference, the match ending. So that's why they had no time limits and no disqualification added. So because of these soul size, that's what made this look like it was more of an advantage for Diesel and Bret Hart. So, they actually, it, a lot of Raw was kind of boring, and I hate to say that because I love the entering aspect more than anything, but it's not really the matches, it's the storyline in between the matches that made it hard to watch. So this, so this was, this really helped 
the show a lot in the early part of the uh, the competition with Money Nitro. And there will also be no time out. I don't know why they added no time out, but anyway. He said, what is that, what is that up to? Means we've got to have a winner. He said his only question is, where will the loyalties of the fans lie? And because at the time, they both were two of the most popular stores of all time, of the company. Middle of that, by the way, they were going to have an intercontinental title match between winner of the Battle Royal the week before on Hart and the new champion, Razor Ramon. There was some type of promotion in the back, in the locker room. They showed a picture promoting the main event and it just, or the title showed it had something to do with Razor and Owen. And here's Razor talking to the kid, one, two, three kid. And the one, two, three kid's got to calm him down. He said, we could have done it right here and now. And so he spent the whole commercial break trying to calm him down. That's happening before they get the commercial break. They they air a commercial um, showing everybody. Oh, there's a commercial. I thought this was supposed to be for next week's Raw, but no. A commercial for Karate Fighters, Malcolm Bradley's Karate Fighters. Where Barry Horowitz and Hakushi face each other in in the Karate Fighters. I think uh, I actually have to see this to know for sure. One, yeah, Hakushi lost. So he accepted graciously. Showed her slow motion replay of it. Then Kushi challenged him to two out of three, uh, two out of three shot, and he said okay. So he has got it. So he started, and then they went back to the ringside. Marty Janetti um, beat Joe Gorgon next. Believe he beat him with the top rope uh, fist drop. Yeah, fist drop two, three. Even hook the leg to secure the victory. Then, when that happened. That was happening first, the pinfall victory for Eddie Guerrero, of course. Got a replay of it. Promoted the next match with Shark versus Earthquake. That ended a double count out. So while that was happening, there was one part of the arena where Bobby Heenan was sitting out talking Sonny Ono. Drinking champagne with him, possibly eating, took him through the hand by him. So some definitely some in, definitely some interesting uh, segments for Nitro. He showed a picture what happened with in Sting and Ric Flair's match against Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman. Ric Flair came out with the tape and both his forehead and the, his left uh, cheek above it, his uh, temple. 
components that I had. So let's see. Okay. We showed another scene where he looks like he wanted in there. Showed that he was about to get the tag right here. And the next picture was double team from Arn and Rick and then Arn holding Sting up for Rick Flair to pound on him with some rights and lefts. <clears throat> showing two different sides, two different angles they show it. They show him tearing it off. Slowly tearing it off by the way in in this angle of the of the picture. Okay, I call it tearing off. They said he peeled it off. Probably peeled is the better word for it. They show a picture of him with a microphone. There they bring him out. And the real selling point right here was Orn Anderson saying that anytime you go around any of the fans, they would automatically want to know when they're going to put the horsemen back together. And the first thing they would say, that's the first thing they would ask him, when are you going to put this, the four horsemen back together? And he would put the four, to, uh, four sign up and said, we can put this back together. And after a few minutes, he said, we, we find ourselves going back to that familiar cramp. Soon, we, soon we'll have four, and you know what that means. And then he said to Steen, you got nothing to be ashamed of. You lasted ten minutes with us. You were more man than we thought. He said, and so, I don't really remember what Rick Flair said to end the, to end the promo. But being that Raw was pre-taped, that's probably why they had a promo of all three men. Because they figured it would help with their ratings. This is what Rick Flair said to Sting. His problem was that they told him what he wanted to hear, and he believed them. He said, we're going to do what we want to do, and we don't like it. Friends don't like it. A funny night on Nitro. Horseman will be in town ready. Telling him they're they're not afraid they'll they're not afraid of him or his friends because they're ready for him. So the next match, Sabu versus Disco at Inferno, he won with a I'm not really sure how did he a thing jumped oh Sabu jumped over the the in the he was in the apron. Over the ropes into a leg drop, connected the leg drop, and he got the pinfall. And had Disco Inferno not moved out of the way when he was on top of the table, Sabu might have gotten a 
You might they might have reversed the decision if it wasn't for him moving out of the way. Cause Sabu was gonna do like an array was gonna do like a uh kinda find where he Okay. Got the table out. Um Like after a while of writing on a notebook, my hands get uh hands start to cramp. So that's why I, that's why I have to look back at the videos because I somehow my hands cramp. I want to see what it goes for. I know it's a suicide dive. Oh, I just uh, sit right there. It's almost like a senton onto the table. I'm actually surprised it didn't break. But because it broke in half when he closed on out treacherous. So that part's a surprise to me. So when that was happening... before they even got to the third part, Cornet was whining about how the stipulation that there was in, in uh, what the technicality and the stipulation of Inner House's main event was that okay Diesel won the match, no, Diesel kept the title, but he won the match by disqualification. Because of the technicality of the stipulation, Cornette said that Bulldog should be champion. Going against, um, Brad, going against brother, his brother-in-law, Brad Hart. Well, what's perfect about that, that's a perfect uh, situation for Bulldog to be in because his manager is Jim Cornette, one of the greatest managers in the history of the business, who made him great. Anybody who's seen Jim Cornette's uh, managing is that he's, is that he's the type of person he wants just um just to get the crowd to want to see his men have what they don't deserve and he claims they deserve so he said he said that he was backtracking um that he was trying to go back on his word but it's not what he did his word was whoever won the match but there's always that technicality, so can't use technicality in a title match because automatically the people who get disqualified don't win the title traditionally. <clears throat> but what was great was him using a lawyer to get what he wanted. And somehow he thought he was, somehow Bulldog thought that he was a better wrestler than Marty Gennetti. So he said, you're not in the same class or the same caliber as me. Then he, uh, he was threatening him. Said he's going to drop him. And he ended up not just take, not just drop kicking Bulldog and hitting Cornette. He even uh, hit Cornette with an elbow, corkscrew elbow, as a matter of fact. 
And there was the lawyer standing there, and he's, he was like, hold on. Clarence Mason was like, hold on. be like this, come on, I need your help. Turns around. He scared Clarence Mason so much, Clarence Mason put his head in between the ropes. <laughs> that was funny. Offer Marty just to walk away to show, show that he's got nothing. <laughs> okay, next match was a tag team match. King Guns. Not sure who they're going against. Um, Apollo. That's the only name I can see. It's got something. So. Next match was Lex Luger and Ling against American Males. Ling got in there on Jimmy Hart. Um, had climbed up on the apron on the ropes to strike the referee. I think it was Nick Patrick. Ling got in there, super kicked Scotty Rigg. And he kicks um, Marcus Bagwell in the back of the neck. Leads to Luger, pick him up by the head, helping up to his feet. They put him up on his shoulders for the torture rack to get the win. That was the final match for Nitro. King Guns. The uh, Otis Apollo and Scott. Scott Zamore. No wonder he looks familiar. See, one of the two quote bookers running Impact Wrestling now was in the was in this tag team match at, as Otis Apollo's uh partner, Scott Zamora. Lost to uh Smoking Guns. Sidewalk slam, top rope leg drop combination. In the middle of this match, or after the match, three count coming. One, two, three. Kid said he was sorry for how he acted, and he said, "Dollar champions, that I thank y'all, or y'all put up those titles up against us really soon." when his when Yokozuna came out former tag team partner of Owen Hart by the way hits uh, Razor with a clothesline then with a leg drop only person that could help uh, Razor Ramon was I believe um, Ahmed Johnson who had him with a Hit Yokozuna with the power, with the body slam.
and when Davy Boy Smith couldn't pick up on him, he just stood there, not knowing what to do, and that's how the that's how it went off the air. Before I talk about Raw from uh, the next week. Let me uh, talk about how Nitro ended. Because of WrestleMania sponsor being Snickers again, recently they've been showing the new almond Snickers peanut butter uh, candy bar commercial where this guy was supposed to be in stockings let me state that supposed to wear stockings that cover your identity but what does he do? he wears the one with that has a net on it and you can see who he and you can see exactly what he looks like hilarious his high school um, teacher noticed him across the street on the sidewalk. And just kind of skipping a little bit by fast forwarding um, on Nitro, Eric Bischoff was telling everybody it was Asking, telling everybody who is trick or treating to be uh, careful on the streets. There is one object on the table that said trick or treat. So he asked Eric and Bobby, trick or treat. He said, on behalf of our sponsor, but at the end, he took some silly string, he sprayed it at Bobby, I mean, uh, Stephen Wackle did. Some of it fell on, uh, Bischoff's, uh, wrist. Then <laughs> pull it off. Now they're about to show the footage from... Uh, Halloween Havoc, that's supposed to be surprising. Uh, the show, Hogan running across, gets the ropes to do his finish with a leg drop. He's doing that, Jimmy Hart getting up on the apron with the title. At the same time he hits the job with the leg drop, Jimmy Hart hits, uh, Randy Anderson, the referee, look like in the back of the neck and in the back of the head at the same time. With the title, he gets out. He gets off right away. So Hogan won't suspect him. And he looks around. And he's like, "What happened?" He got up there, got in the ring, and he was like, "I don't know what happened." Then the giant pretended to still be out. He put his head back. And he turned around. Jimmy Hart pushed the referee down. Took the title. Boom. Right over Hogan's back. Bad sell job. Hogan stood up like it didn't affect him after falling down. Giant comes. Puts him in a bear hug. Then out came Lex Luger. The Yeti, Randy Savage, Luger beat up on Randy Savage. And after the Yeti and the Giant beat up on Hogan, Luger put Hogan in the torture rack, and then they start. Then they bring them out there. Tony Schiavone does ask them why why he did that, and he said, "Hey, there's only one." 
Man, I heard Council that ever had that was me. So Hogan, when he said, Darkness was living in your house, he was talking about me. He said, Maybe I'll explain it next week why I turned on the immortal Hulk Hogan. He said, He might even, he said, I might even put it in my new book. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that Solomon may be his past but his future he could see as the giant and Lex Luger and I'd really be curious to know what he th- what he thinks of not just like Sluger's uh, career altogether, but what he thinks of the Big Show, Big Show's progression from the Giant to becoming the Big Show. I'd be curious to know what he thought of that. They even asked like Sluger about this, and he said, "What an evening that was." He's referring to the vision of Hulk Hogan laying um, on the on the mat. The Macho Man Randy Savage laying next to him, calling it a crumpled, pathetic heap, and then he called it a pile of garbage. That you called me a little dog, a vulture. We got a piece of the total package. Got a piece for the giant, and he's got your belt. He said, that's what it's all about. He said, you say what you may, do what you will, but nobody's, the giant says this, nobody's going to knock this giant off the hill. So he said, he promised to defend the title next week on Monday Nitro. And what? I still can't get over who they got to be the opponent. And next week's Nitro is going to be interactive. That's the best part of the, uh, that was the best part of this next episode of Raw. They did hotline numbers back in those days, left and right, but what was great about WCW was the, so a lot of times they were interactive with it, but most of the time, their hotline numbers were just to share inside scoop on things that you might not have heard of, unless, of course... You unless of course it was something that happened in the WWF that that they wanted to expose. So that was that was what was interesting about the hotline number for WCW. What was interesting about the hotline number for WWF was using it to ask the fans what they thought about things that are happening in society like the O.J. Simpson trial. First match was Cobra losing to the Giant for the heavyweight title. And I think they said 10 seconds or 5 seconds. Well, that happened. Um... British Bulldog beat Marty Jannetty. I believe with the running power slam. What's interesting was instead of hooking the normal leg, which is the left leg, he 
You hook the right leg, and that's very unusual. But being that the power slam is his finisher, that's why you could do that, because there is no way anybody was going to kick out of it. Or at least that was the perception at the time. Okay. And they actually got a, a Bill Clinton lookalike to come and say he was going to be at the Survivor Series. And speaking of the Survivor Series, they, they announced that Goldust would go against Bigelow after Bigelow challenged him to a match any time, any place. They decided to put it at, uh, in your house. And, uh, Jimmy Hart went against the Renegade, of course, uh, no, it's not Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan. And I actually was, actually, that is about the only thing actually could remember because I remember thinking how actually I had a different memory. I thought when he threw the water in Renegade's face that the paint came off. So that this does make more sense that he threw the water in his face and he wiped off the paint with his towel. After that because the well, whole purpose of the Renegade character was to was to be like the Ultimate Warrior. After the throwing the water in his face and painting him up, they just decided they didn't know what else to do with him. So it was a mistake on their part to take the face paint off of him was a bigger mistake to not think of repackaging him. That was the biggest mistake they made. Okay, they showed, before the second match, they showed how Hogan and Savage were in Venice Beach, California, and they were wearing black clothes. And this was like, um, second, I don't know why, but Hogan didn't, he, either he shaved off his mustache or he didn't regrow it yet. So, we're talking about being on the dark side. You understood why. Because of what happened with Kevin Sullivan. Rick Flair said to Sting in the... There were two rooms where the... Uh, the where the superstars were. By the way, while the second match happened, Henry Godwin beat Terry Richards, a.k.a. Um, Rhino. And Triple H knocked him out from the back and threw his own bucket of sop on him just to embarrass him. Then they were doing the more Karate Fighters commercials. Or they were doing some more commercials for uh, Survivor Series. They had announced how The Undertaker had his own team and Yokozuna had his own team. And it was... Both elimination matches were perfect. You may not um, know um, Oh, I see now. Nobody on The Undertaker's team was feuding with Jerry Lawler that I know of, but um, Henry Godwin was feuding with Triple H. He put Triple H on Renner Selmsley on uh, King Mabel's um, side. And they put um, Jerry Lawler and Yannis Yankum 
on Mabel's side. So, I really don't know why they put Vega and Savio Vega and Fab 2 on Undertaker's team, but it was still great, still great to see them in those days because of how they had so much talent and two out of those four two men two out of um those four you just wanted to see because they were brand new. So it was really a fun time to watch in those days. Okay. And the next match is Kama against um, Tony. I can't really say. Can't really see what his name is. I'd have to. Tony Roy. Okay. Be Tony Roy with a simple right hand. And, uh, I, don't, I think they only had three matches. No, they did have four good. Eddie Guerrero. Um, I think he might have jumped off over the top rope on the apron and hit, um, Chris Benoit with crossbody press. And the referee didn't see Chris Benoit's legs. So, um, so when he counted three, Chris Benoit's leg, by the way, he went into a crossbody, was, actually was countering a, uh, belly to back suplex when he went, when he went, uh, when he turned in midair to reverse it. Chris landed and his right foot was under the rope. So one, two, three. Both feet were under the rope, but the referee couldn't see it. The referee had to explain to him my decision is final. I didn't see the uh foot under the rope. So it has to stand. So they show Staying in the back with Tony Schiavone, asking the fans to vote for him. And in that locker room, you had Alex Wright, new TV champion, uh, <clears throat> Johnny B. Bad, the Nasty Boys, Mr. JL, and Yvette Sullivan, and Pine Sting, Jim, uh, Jim Duggan. He said to Sting, you told, you said, come and do something about it? Well, I'm going to. That was the main event, and it was the next match. Thing one with the Scorpion Deathlock. What I'm, what I'm uh, still amazed at is how all those men, including Jim Duggan, couldn't keep him off of Ric Flair. As a matter of fact, they got him off of Ric Flair, then he went back and uh, snapped it on him. It snapped the or slapped the uh, Scorpion Deathlock on him again, and it was actually Luger that got him off the second time, and Jim Duggan put his hands up like, what did he say that we could, what did he say to get you to stop that we couldn't say? So it's really interesting stuff. What I actually think was a stupid booking decision in the main event, the only thing the referee saw was uh, Barry Horowitz, who is by the way not part of the match, take a still take a chair from from Jerry Lawler, and almost hit him with it. You even see him use it, but he disqualifies them. That was a really a really bad booking decision. Not as bad as when John Cena beat CM Punk with. Uh, with the German suplex, and they said that it that John Cena can't win the title because his shoulders were on the mat, and his shoulders were clearly up. So that 
not as bad as that, but it's still pretty bad. So Lawler and Isaac Yang come land. They do a Russell uh, Worldwide. I think they call it a World Tour de Force. Um, that's they were showing uh, promotions for that, and then they said it was gonna stop on November nineteenth at the Survivor Series. And uh, said everything that's gonna happen next week on Raw. Hmm. Said that next week be a face to face meeting between Diesel and Brad Hart and also Ahmed Johnson's debut. And then they said in 30 seconds they'd be back to show a preview of next week's Raw. They just asked what would happen when Hunter Helmsley goes against. Um, Henry Godwin, then they show a clip from the Intercontinental Title main event between Psycho Sid and the Razor Ramon with 123 Kid as the special guest referee. And it really looked like, it really looked like Psycho Sid was going to win, so it's really going to be interesting. After I talk about Smackdown Live, I'm going to watch those two episodes and talk about them here. So don't so don't forget to listen to uh forget to tune in to the next episode. By the way, to close out Nitro, they not only had Jimmy Horrid explain that he had power of attorney to take care of Hogan's contractual obligations, but he said that he put he put a clause or a stipulation in the contract that said that Hogan would lose the title by disqualification. And he, Gene Oakland, knew something about that, so he had WCW's championship committee member who was a lawyer step in, and he said that because it was Jimmy Hart that caused the disqualification and not Hogan himself, that's why the title was being held up. It was a great way to build suspense for the next show. So, that's going to be my next episode. It's going to be talking about um, I'm trying to, it's going to be talking about Smackdown Live from last night, and talking about Raw versus Nitro. By the way, I forgot to mention who won the ratings. <clears throat> November 6th, October 30th, Rob. Nitro, I'm sorry, it's November 6th. Raw actually beat Nitro 2.6 to 2 even. So, that is actually a surprise right there. said I didn't see any of this. Well I know I said it's November thirteenth. So thirteenth the twentieth and then talk about the next pay per view. So I'll be talking about that 
and then the pay-per-view after it. But first talk about the uh, latest SmackDown Live uh, episode. Thank you and goodbye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.